Thanks for listening to the Grace Life Podcast. As we kick off 2022, let's seek more of God and a move of God together. How do we do it? With a renewed hunger to know God. Join us as we spend these first weeks of the new year realigning our heart with God's, understanding the purpose of prayer, and walking in the power of God. All right, hey everybody, welcome to Grace Life. Would you help me welcome all of our first-time guests? We're so glad to have you guys with us here in the room, as well as those of you online. Happy New Year. Man, who's excited for something new? I thought that would finally get a good response. You know, sometimes as pastors, we ask questions and y'all act like you're scheduling lunch in your head or something. But I I, I tell you what, I think there is a very common uh, agreement in the whole world that like we have had enough of uh, the last year or two and we're ready for something new. And uh, we're going to start a new series today that I think is going to set us up well for that. But before we get into the series, as we're talking about something new, I'm really excited for uh, what I think God's going to do at Grace Life this year in 2022. So I want to share with you one piece of that vision because uh, it includes you in a very big way, at least a a large part of you probably. Uh, And that is that we're going to be launching another campus this year, God willing. And I say God willing because we know this is the direct direction he's taking us. Yeah, go ahead and celebrate. Yeah, just go ahead. Um, as I was saying, we, we know this is the direction God is taking us, but I don't like putting hard dates on things because uh, sometimes you just get wrapped up around a deadline. And so, but here's our plan. Our plan is that in the second half of this year, uh, about August, that we will publicly launch a campus in another part of the city. Uh, it's going to be in the Garners Ferry Road area. It's what we're going to refer to as our, our southeast part of, of Columbia as well. And so if you live in that part of the city, um, or if you just have a real heart for seeing this, this first campus launch, or if you have a real heart for military, because that's the majority of the people who live in this part of the city, and uh, that's gonna be one of our, our main target groups to, to try and reach our military families, then I wanna invite you, what you see on the screen there, we're gonna have an interest meeting right here on Saturday morning, 10 a.m., to talk about the vision of what that would look like and, and what we believe God is doing there. So I wanna invite anybody to come out at least just for the interest meeting and, and hear more of, of what we've got planned, and uh, I'm, I'm excited. It's something that we've been praying for God to do for many, many years. And, you, you know, you've probably felt this yourself where you've had a vision in your heart and, and then God finally brings all the pieces together and you look and go, wow, is this really happening? So I'm excited for that. Well, every year I, I ask God, what should I preach about to, to start off the year that will get us moving in a, a new direction, ready for a new season, setting us up for something good? And, and that's what we try to do every year. It's not that every series isn't important. I just think every series is important for that season. And this season right now is helping us to think about new and to think about new hope and new faith and a new connection with God. That's what I believe we're all looking for. That's why we, we do things like diets and join gyms. I won't ask you to raise your hand for how many of you have joined a gym in the last week. You know, those kinds of things. But uh, what, what I felt God saying is that we would take something we do at the beginning of every year and combine it with our, our series and take something that's usually just a week and make it more. 
And so for those of you that have been around Grace Life, you know, one of the things we do at the beginning of every year is what we call a week of prayer and fasting. Uh, we're gonna put the dates up there just to put it on your radar. We're gonna close out this month with a week of prayer and fasting starting on January 23rd. Please mark your calendars. For those of you that that's new, you're like, what? People still fast today? I thought only Muslims did that. No, not just Muslims. And we've got a whole web page on our website or on our app dedicated to that. So go maybe if you're reading the articles or checking out some past messages on what it would look like for you. But I wanna go ahead and, and see if we can change our focus from just let's come together and pray a little bit for a week to let's change what our lives are built on. And so matter of fact, we've got these little bracelets here. It's hard for you to see because I'm wearing all black today. We've got these black bracelets we've been wearing here at Grace Life for like five or six or seven years. And they simply have the title of our series on it. It's pray first. That's all it says. And matter of fact, I, I know a couple of you in here that you've been wearing these for five or six years. And some of you are like me. You've had to go through two or three of them because these, these are pretty cheap. They're not made for extended wear jewelry purposes. And uh, after about six months or something, you go to put it on, it just snaps. And so the good news is if you've lost yours, if you're new to Grace Life and you've never gotten one or you've broken yours or whatever the story is. These are in the lobby today as you're leaving. Some of you probably saw them when you were coming in and thinking, wonder what those are for. Feel free to take one, take a few if you want. And uh, I've got a, a mentor of mine, and this is where we got the idea from, by the way. <clears throat> and he would say that their church is built on prayer. And, and they're actually the fastest growing church in America. Uh, just, just a great life-giving church, a great church to learn from. And we try to learn and, and copy them in a lot of good things. And he would say their church is built on prayer and that is the secret behind the scenes. And if I were to be honest about us, I would have to say, I don't think we can say that. I mean, every now and then we, we do these weeks of prayer and fasting. We do them twice a year and we have uh, prayer teams and, and we, we have prayer. We're not without prayer, but I don't think that I could honestly say that is what we are built on. And uh, that might be more my fault than anybody. I, matter of fact, if, if something's not going well, it should be my fault, Right. And part of that is my DNA. My DNA is that God is sovereign. He's on his throne and God's gonna do what he wants to do. And some of us, that's kind of how we lean towards prayer. So we don't pray a lot because we, we just know God's got it. Come on, anybody like me, God's got it. I don't have to pray a whole lot. Um, we're gonna talk about that. That's gonna be one of the things we talk about in the series. And so uh, I was on a prayer retreat earlier this year and I was think, thanking God for all that he had done at Grace Life. I mean, honestly, God has been so good to us here. I mean, he's blessed us with uh, facilities and resources and the church has grown uh, during a pandemic. We've seen lots of people saved and baptized and I'm just going, God, you are so amazing. And as I'm thanking him for all that he has done and then being honest and confessing, but God, I'm not really a prayer guy. I don't pray a lot because God's been messing with me. Yeah, I'll talk to you about it throughout the series. God's been messing with me on the topic of prayer all year. And so as I was just confessing to God how much I really am not a prayer person and how good he's been to us at Grace Life, he literally said to me, and I wrote it in my journal, imagine what Grace Life would be like if you prayed. <laughs> I mean, he's done some pretty cool stuff. And we are a, 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 what I think is a healthy church and a fast-growing church and, and an influential church in our city. And, and I count it a blessing to get to be a part of that and to get to lead that. And, and if we're doing that without a whole lot of asking God to move in powerful ways, what if we actually started to build this church around prayer? And then let me ask you this, if that's true of a church, how much more is it true of our own lives? Our homes and our families. 
So what we're gonna do, instead of just praying for a week this, this year, we're going to start off by doing a series on prayer for the whole month. And some of you just went, ah, oh, series on prayer. Listen, I would have agreed with you in the past. Um, but, but like I said, God's been messing with me and I'm gonna share some of that with you as we, we go through the series. But uh, I believe you won't be as bored as that just sounded. I promise, uh, because it's, it's, if it's gonna excite me, it's gotta excite you, because I'm also not a prayer guy, typically. Uh, you know, but I think one of the reasons we struggle with prayer is because we don't think we're good at it. Uh, most everybody I talk to, matter of fact, I lead a life group here at Grace Life, I always do, because uh, that's what we do. Uh, we go to life groups, and in my life group, I'll always end with, uh, hey, who would like to pray a blessing over us as we leave? And uh, there's always like 30 people or more in my life group, and it's like crickets. Like, Seriously, out of like 30 Christians, you, you don't have anybody like would love to love to pray. And there's a there's somebody who always jumps in after about four seconds. They just want to break the tension or something like that. But I don't think it's because they don't love God or they're they're not spiritual leaders. I think it's because most of us just don't think we're good at prayer. We think everybody else is better at it than us. I, I, we had some friends over for Christmas dinner and uh, I decided I would not do the the awkward thing. So, you know, I I, I said, who would like to, to bless? And uh, nobody did. So quickly, I just relieved her. All right, let me just pray. And I, I prayed over the food. And when I was done, my daughter, uh, who was standing beside me holding my hand, said, wow, daddy, that was a really good prayer, like a pastor would pray. <laughs> and the problem is, I'm thinking, I didn't even do anything because I'm a real simple, like, if you want to intercede for the nations, do that at another time. When it's time to eat, I think it is very sufficient to just say, God's neat, let's eat. There we go. You know what I mean? I'm good with that. So I, I can promise you this was not a fancy prayer. That's just not who I am. But to an 11-year-old girl, it was. And, and I think that's how most of us see things is we always think so many people are better at praying and their words are so elaborate and everything is so great. And, and, and then we have those horrible Sunday school memory prayers. I just want to know how many of you have the experience where you grew up going to Sunday school and at the end... You had to stand up in a circle and hold hands. Come on, if you had to do this, right? Raise your hand with me. And everybody had to take a turn praying as you went around the circle. And when you were done praying, you would squeeze the hand on the left. And so when your hand got squeezed, you knew it was your turn. Come on, y'all know that. Y'all see heads nodding. Y'all know what this is like. And when you were doing this, though, you were trying to figure out, what am I going to say that sounds intelligent? Right? <laughs> and this is the crazy thing, because we're not listening to people pray we're not agreeing with them. Y'all do know the word amen simply means so be it. It's like, God, I agree. When, when you say amen, you're basically saying, God, I agree. Please do what they just said. And, and so people are praying and you might be muttering amen, but you're not agreeing with them because you're not listening to them. You're in your own head. What can I say? Let me say something that's, that's fancy, that's good. And, and then right then you hear somebody else say everything you had in your head, right? You know what I'm talking about? And you're like, well, that's okay. There's still four people around the circle. I got time. And one second later, you feel your hand get squeezed. Because it went boom, 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 all the way down the circle. And you're like, no. And so you squeeze your hand. Next thing you know, Sunday school is over. Because we don't feel like we're good at praying. Or we don't think that prayer works. I mean, after all, like I said, God's on his throne. God's got this. And we're going to talk about that as well. So what I'd, I'd like to do today is just start off with what I think is a really simple teaching, but an important teaching. Because first of all, we've had a lot of people uh, come and make Jesus their king in the last year. Uh, as a matter of fact, last, you know, I think it's about been 10 years or so since I've taught on what I'm going to teach on today. Um, and, and again, it's simple, but it's a very simple foundation. And if you've heard it before, then um, 
then I challenge you to make sure it's in your life. And those of you that this is new, I think it'll help you. And it's just a real simple answer to the question, how do we pray? I just want to teach us to pray as the Bible teaches us to pray. And you may say, well, I thought prayers is talking to God, anything works. And that's true, absolutely true. But what, what I want to look at is the disciples actually went to Jesus and said, can you teach us to pray? And I don't think it was because they didn't know how to pray. I think it was because they knew when they were watching Jesus, matter of fact, they asked him right after they had just been watching him pray. I think when they watched him, they knew there was something different about his prayer than their own. And I think they really knew there was something different about his prayers than all the other religious leaders that they used to hear and watch. And so after Jesus would pray, they could, hey, hey, can you teach us to do that? And so if you've got your Bibles, you can turn with me to Matthew 6. It's in the Sermon on the Mount, his most famous teaching. We're going to start in verse 9. It'll all be on the screen right here for you. And uh, the, the idea was not to, to, to repeat a rote prayer, not to just say something over and over, as some of us think this prayer is, but it was a way to pray. It was his answer, pray like this. And some of you have heard this. He said, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. And a lot of people have believed this. We, we call it the Lord's Prayer. And a lot of people have decided this is something you have to memorize and just repeat. And matter of fact, some of you are wondering, like, did he really have to read that? That should be pastor training 101 to memorize that. And the answer is yes, except I got dragged to church when I was a kid. I memorized it in King James, right? And so I just want to make sure what was on the screen is what I was reading. So forgive me. But anyway, that's the point. And so a lot of us grew up in a church where we would just say that together. Anybody raise your hand with me. If you grew up in a church where we would just say it together, but you maybe never stopped and actually thought about what Jesus was teaching us to do because it's more supposed to be a model and answer to the question, how do we pray? And so there are actually seven parts. I'm just going to walk you through this. Again, I said it's very, very simple. If you're taking notes, got seven little things. Here's, a, by the way, another freebie for you. Uh, on our app, the notes are already there with a little bit of fill in the blank. So it'll save you a whole lot of work. If you go to our app, download the app if you don't have it and, and go to our messages. And then you can have this so that when you wake up tomorrow morning and you say, how do I do all that he was talking about? It'll be right there for you. And so, but Jesus started off by saying, our father in heaven. And so the first thing that he was teaching us to do is to connect with God relationally, like to have a relationship with him. And the problem though, is this is tough for most of us to do. When I say most, I mean most. If you ever pay attention to me preaching, I don't use that word often. I use the word many a lot. That's a safe word. But the word most, you can get in trouble with that word. But as my time as pastoring, I can tell you it is true that most of us struggle with our father concept. And how we see our father on earth is how we see God in heaven. The two are connected. You'll never separate them. And the problem is very few of us, if any of us, had a perfect father or close to perfect father. And so the way that we see his weaknesses and his uh, distractions or anything in the way that we understood our father is what we put on God in heaven. But here's what God says. I'm gonna add some scripture as we go, if that's okay. He says, so you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful, slaves. No, 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 that's, that's not us. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. And now we call him Abba, father. 
And that word Abba is an Aramaic word that simply means daddy, but it's not so much that it means daddy. It's a person who has the right to say daddy, right? And, and I've preached this before when I've t- preached on this verse in depth, but I'll just do this real quickly. Um, any of you could actually use the word daddy. You could come to me and say daddy. I would look at you like you're weird. <laughs> but there are four people in this building who can actually use the word and not be treated like they're weird. And see, the the idea there is not just that you understand the word. I've heard people preach on, it means that, that you could use this word. It's the idea that you have the right. You are seen as someone who this word belongs to you, to say daddy, when you look at your father in heaven. But that's a difficulty, isn't it? And some of my children, they're still good with the word daddy. I think actually it's just one, my youngest little girl. Because how quickly do we grow out of the word daddy? And then it becomes dad. And I've got one of my children who even still, I think that, that was not, not ever really comfortable. And so I'm pops. I don't, I don't know where that came from. But anyway. And, and so when we're, we're kids, we like, we cuddle and we hug and, and we're all, but as we get older, just, you know, by the time they're 10 or 12 or 14 or somewhere, the, the cuddling seems to kind of stop and go away and the, the conversation seems to change. And guess what? If it happens with our natural father on earth, how much more as we get older and we start talking to God? And and here's the thing. Many of us don't develop any kind of a relationship or a significant relationship with God until we have already gotten too old to cuddle with our earthly fathers. And so we just transfer that right over. And so we don't really connect with God very relationally when we talk. This is something that I think we struggle with. And so I'd like to really encourage you to take your time here. Like if you wake up tomorrow morning, seriously, just try this. Start out and say, all right, our Father in heaven. And before you get to anything else we're gonna learn today, you just take time, God, Daddy, good morning. And you're gonna find out you're out of words real quickly. Like how do I talk to him and not tell him what I need him to do today? We're gonna get to that, that's in the prayer, but how do I like just have a relationship with him? You know, one of the things that my wife and I have taken very, very seriously over the years is having a date night. We try to have a weekly date night, or we used to have date day uh, before COVID wrecked how school worked. And uh, so we would drop the kids off. We'd have a whole day. It was great. Now, now we're still trying to back to the, the night thing. But we, we've gone through seasons, I have to confess, where between life groups and kids' activities and everything else, we, we'd have some times where we didn't get to have one every week, or maybe I was traveling. And so there are a lot of different reasons. And so we would go out and we'd sit down in a restaurant and just take a deep breath look at each other, and we had things we would need to talk about. You know, maybe I was traveling, and then somebody was sick, and then something was, so maybe it had been three or four weeks, and we're like, okay, we got to talk about this for that kid, or, or our vacation plans, or something like that. But we would be so starved for relational connection that we wouldn't even get to what we had agreed we would talk about. We, we were just like, how are you? What's been happening in your life? What, what is, and, and we just began to Talk relationally. What has God been saying to you? What is God doing? And, and just connecting on those different levels that we didn't even get to any of the business stuff. And so I want to encourage you to, to hang out here for a little bit because I think just as if my wife and I don't have a date night and we end up starved for this relational connection, I think most Christians are starved for a relational connection with God. I think we don't really know how to, to just have a relationship that is simply about the person of God and the person of you. Apart from the rest of the stuff that's in the prayer, like your needs and all, we're gonna to get to all of that. 
but just God. Matter of fact, can I throw this in? A lot of people will ask the question. It's a great question to ask your pastor. So I'm just going to go ahead and answer it. You don't ever get to ask me again. A lot of people say, why did Jesus pray? Why does God pray to God? God doesn't need to pray. Why did God have to pray to God? And you're exactly right. God did not need to pray to God. But one of the weird mysteries, and it's for a whole nother day, is to understand the Trinity. You see, our God exists, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. One God, but in three persons. And the person of Jesus had always been with the person of the Father in heaven. Perfect heaven, perfect relationship, perfect communication, perfect communion, perfect everything. And now he is on earth and he's surrounded by sinful people with selfish thoughts and focused on whether or not they're gonna have enough food to walk home. Are you serious? If I gotta feed you people by a miracle, you're all worried about food? God is here. I mean, like, you know, he's, and you can imagine, he just wanted to get away. Matter of fact, the Bible says he did. Every morning, he would sneak away from people to do, I think for him, it was a breath of fresh air just to go, oh, Father, let me tell you. Whew. I mean, I mean, I'm just telling you, I knew what the mission was, but man, I miss you. I miss heaven. I miss the angels. I miss the streets. I mean, I'm just, you see what I just, the relationship. That's why he did it. It wasn't that you were, why did God need it? It was because Jesus, the person, was starved for connection with Father, the person. Can I say that? All right. And then he goes on. Don't worry, I will not spend equal time on all seven. Some of you are like, we're never going to get to lunch. Then he goes on to say, hallowed be your name. And this simply is to exalt him and exalt his name and just for fun, how many of you grew up, you're old enough, you remember the family circus cartoons, comics that would be in the newspaper? That, that was, you just dated yourself when I used the word newspaper. And one of them that I love, because again, we grew up saying this prayer in church and it was a rote prayer, you know, our father in heaven, hallowed be thy name, but everybody says it together. And so one of the family circle uh, cartoons is when they sit down to do their prayers at night and the little boy uh, kneels by his bed and says, Howard be thy name. <laughs> Because we just, we just hear the mumbling that goes on throughout the room. Okay, look, one of his names is not Howard. But in the Bible, there are many names for God. And I'm not going to give those to you today because I don't want to make this a lesson in the Hebrew names of God. I'm not going to go there. You can go and just Google them. Just names of God in the Bible. There's quite a list. But what I do want you to understand is that God's name is to be exalted over every other name. And God gave himself names that represent his character to his people. Again, the name daddy is a special character represented to four people in a special way that other people don't get. You follow that? And so it's what God did. And so he gave himself names like Jehovah Nisi, Jehovah Rapha, Jehovah Jireh, and the list goes on. And some like El Shaddai, he gave himself different names that all represented parts of his character that you could call upon that name when you needed that part of his character. And so I wanna encourage you to take some time and simply exalt God. And if you need to, we, we have these prayer first bracelets. We also have prayer first, first booklets that have these names in there. Or again, you can Google them and look and just call upon these names of God. Whatever you need in that season, because one of them is God, my provider. And say, God, your name is my provider. And today, God, honestly, I'm, I'm facing some things. I need you to show up and be my provider. One of them is God, my healer. Maybe that's the one you're, you're crying out to. God, you are my healer. It's your character. That's why you have the name. God, you are my victory. The name's going to say, God, my righteousness. God, my there. That's a funny one. I love that one. There, you're just there. 
Anywhere I go, you're there. And sometimes you go to work and you think, man, I'm walking into the pits of hell. Well, God's there. Wherever you, I mean, God is, and, and you might want to like really claim that one as you get ready to walk into work and you reach out for the doorknob and the pray first bracelet sticks out and you go, God, I'm walking into this place. You tell me you're there. I need you to be there because these people don't act like you're there. You know what I mean? Seriously, like pray first. The Bible says the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and are safe. And follow this. This is really important. When God was taking his people into the promised land, he said, you shall surely destroy all the places where the nations served their gods and you shall destroy their name out of that place. But when you go over the Jordan and live in the land that the Lord your God has given you to inherit, you will make his name dwell there. And I think some of the time we need to to take this more seriously. Again, we don't follow this model for prayer and realize that the devil is trying to insert other names into our lives, like defeat, loss, sinner, depressed, anxiety. I mean, all of the different words and labels that we put on ourselves and on our lives, broke, whatever the word is, that we, we tend to say too often, I am, and fill in the blank, right? And I think we need to, when we see those other names from those other gods trying to take territory in our lives, we need to stop and go, uh-uh, uh-uh, Jehovah Nisi, Jehovah Ra. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like I said, go, go get those Hebrew words on your own there. And then Jesus continued, and he says, pray your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And this is pray God's will first. Pray God's will first. Look, I could say it like this. Put God in his will before me and mine. Put God in his will before me and mine. Look, how many of you have been a part of a relationship where the other person's agenda is the only thing that matters? You don't enjoy that relationship, do you? Well, God's a person and you're his child. Do you think he enjoys a relationship with us when the only thing we're focused on is our agenda? Somebody comes to you, hey, can we go out to eat? Why don't you go to lunch with me today, coworker, friend of mine? By the way, I want tacos. And they don't even ask if you like tacos. Next day, hey, uh, can we go out to lunch today? You want to go with me? I, I, I want barbecue. They don't even ask if you eat pork. You know what I mean? Just, and that's kind of how we talk to God. Hey, uh, God up in heaven, uh, listen, here's what I got to have you to do in my life. We're always talking about what's on our agenda, what we think God needs to do for us. And half the time we're wrong, by the way. Y'all know that, right? I mean, we pray stuff that's like foolish and stupid. Anyway, that's a whole other part of the series. But but if we could just stop for a minute and go, God, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, because in heaven it is done perfectly. Nothing gets in the way of what you want, of your rule, of your reign, of your presence, of your spirit. Like, wow, imagine if we just said, God, why don't you just do that everywhere around me? By the way, here's a little nerd moment for you. We are not humans waiting for heaven. We are citizens of the kingdom of God. If you have made Jesus your king, that is true of you. If you have not, then that's not true. But if Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, if you are going to heaven because of what Jesus did on the cross, you are citizens of the kingdom of God. The Bible tells us that when we make Jesus our king, when we surrender to him, we are transferred out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of God. And here's the truth that we need to know, and it'll give you the peace to pray this way. What's good for the kingdom is good for the members of the kingdom. In other words, you can actually pray, God, your kingdom come, and you're not leaving you out. You get that? 
You're actually praying the very best thing for you. If you walk into where you work and say, God, your kingdom come in this place. Well, that's prosperity for everybody who works in that place. That's God's presence for everybody who works in that place. That's God's peace for everybody who works in that place. And, and I can keep going, but I'm gonna stop. You, you understand that though? You're, you're praying what God would do happens in that place. It's actually better for you to pray God's kingdom come. God's will be done. Uninterrupted on earth as it is in heaven. Seek first the kingdom of God above all else. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and he will give you everything you need. Jesus promised us that as well in the Sermon on the Mount. He goes on, the fourth thing that he puts in this prayer, he says, give us today our daily bread. And this simply means do pray for your needs. You know, sometimes you hear pastors preach on prayer and, and they make you feel bad that you ask God for anything. You should be declaring his will comes. You should be telling him he's great. You should be grateful for everything. And you shouldn't even think about your needs. No, no, no. Jesus actually t- says, turn to your father and say, this is what you need. Because one of his names is Jehovah Jireh. I am the Lord, your provider. You're not your provider. Satan's never gonna bless you. I'm going to bless you. I want to bless you. Talk to me about what you need in life. I want to be the one that takes care of you. Look, I, I've made it clear throughout this message. I got four kids and I want them to know that I love them and want to bless them. I want them to have what they need in life at the bare minimum. I want them to have a whole lot of wants in life. And, and I believe God wants that for us too. Because every one of us here, I, I did this just a week or two ago. How many of us here are way beyond needs? We live our wants. Like think about your car, your house, the size of your TV, the kind of meals you get to eat when you go out to eat. What Needs were long ago because our God is so good to us. And so I just want to give you permission. It is okay to talk to God about what you need. And it's, I think it's okay to talk to God about what you want. If you're wrong, you ain't going to get it. It's Okay. Hey, God, I'd really love, you know, like a two-week vacation in the Caribbean this year. You might be surprised, especially as we learn more things about prayer over the series. We learn more things about God. I just want you to know that it is okay to go to him and ask for needs. Some of the time we don't do it simply because we don't want to bother God. I meet a lot of people as a pastor who say, well, you know, I just, I, I, it's just little old me. It's, it's, you know, that's not a, I don't need to, to bother him. And do you know what you just said? You just said, I think God in heaven is like my father on earth. I'm serious, you can't get away from it. And I even had to think about my dad. I love my dad. I think my dad was a very good dad. But I had to think as I was preparing this this series, I'm already writing outlines for the whole series and thinking, what about my dad impacts how I pray? Even though I like him. You know, I mean, but some of us, we had tough dad stories. And some of us, like me, my dad worked three jobs most of my life in order to take care of our family. And so I realized I have a problem connecting with God relationally. Because although I thought well of my dad and respected my dad, we just didn't have a lot of time together. And, and, and you know, there wasn't arguing, there wasn't fighting, and, and I wasn't rebellious towards him. There was none of that. He was just busy. And if he was ever at home, he was tired. So why bother my dad if I got it? And that's the way a lot of us, we approach God. Well, I don't need to, I don't need to bother you. I got this. You know, I want to encourage you to pray for your needs in the smallest things. And matter of fact, I want you to encourage you, I want to encourage you to pray for needs that you don't think are needs. Like when you're sick, you say, God, help me to have strength to get through work today. But when you're healthy, you don't bother to pray that. God, God, I got it. I got a human body and it's working. I don't need you today. 
we live our lives as though, God, I got this. I want to encourage you to pray for things that you actually do need. You just don't think you do. God, I I need you to to give me strength to make it through the day. I'm not sick, but I need you to give me strength. God, I need you to give me energy. God, I need you to give me a smile on my face. And you can pray that even when you're in a good mood. You don't have to wait till you're in a bad mood to pray. You understand what I'm saying? God, I, I pray for whatever. And, and bring God into every bit of your life because one of the things that'll really do is dethrone the idea you are taking care of yourself. And you only need God in the big stuff. Because that's another problem with our, our prayer lives. Well, hey, you know, God, I'll get to you when, when I need it. You know, when the doctor doesn't have an answer and my bank account doesn't have an answer and I don't have an answer, I'll go to you, but I'll leave you alone until then. It's either because we have a bad idea that God's too busy or it's we think we've got it on our own. And that really keeps us from going to God and saying, God, here's what I need you to do. I think God would actually be blessed if we asked for more of our needs, not less. How many times have you heard that one preached? It's usually the other way around. And then Jesus says, forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. And I think this means to get your heart right with God and people. I think the sad truth is confessing and repenting are things we just don't do often enough. This is even something I have to challenge myself on. I have to question sometimes, Jimmy, today, have you actually told God you're sorry for something about you and your your character and your life? Because I will find it very easy to only do that when I I do really big things or or maybe a big problem or, or get to a place in life that I'm not real happy about. But how often, I mean, Anybody in here want to raise their hand and say, I was perfect yesterday? But do we wake up the next day or as you're going to bed that night, however you want to do this and say, God, I'm really sorry that I'm impatient. You see, I think regularly talking to God about anger or lust or greed or worry, any of those kinds of things, and the list could get very long. But regularly having to go to God and say, God, I realize this is in my life. Will you forgive me? Will you cleanse me of this? I think that it is a huge step towards our own honesty and self-awareness. And I just want to clarify, this is a, a, a verse that scares people, by the way. Forgive us as we have forgiven. And Jesus says elsewhere, similar words, basically, if you do not forgive people, my Father will not forgive you. And a lot of people think, wait a minute, So I may not go to heaven if I don't forgive well. I've preached this in a a series recently, a message recently on on forgiving, but I just want to touch on it because some of you weren't here then. This isn't going to keep you out of heaven. This is not, not what it's talking about. Because if that were the case, it would mean you actually go to heaven based on being good at forgiving people. No, no, the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross did it all. This is talking about relationship. See, when we don't forgive people, we put them in a relational jail. We cut them off. We take them out of our lives. We scowl at them every time we see them. So God is saying, look, if if you're going to put people in a relational jail, I'm going to put you in a relational jail because you've been forgiven way more for what you did to me than they've ever done to you. I mean, God's a perfectly holy God. And our unholiness towards him, let me tell you, what people have done to us doesn't hold a candle to what we've done to offend the nature of God. And if he can forgive us, I just, I think we miss the daily need to go to God and say, I'm sorry. Matter of fact, the Bible says, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. 
But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us. See, that's the daily key right there, to cleanse us from all this unrighteousness. Talking to God about this on a daily basis is the best thing to keep us in that healthy place. And and I just want to go ahead, raise your hand with me. If you have no offensive people and no relational struggles in your entire life, everybody around you is as good as Jesus. And we also need to keep our hearts clean towards people. I think we need to to be quick to say, God, help me forgive today. Help me forgive this this person. God, I'm gonna go to work and I know my boss. Help me forgive him already. (laughs) Let me pre-forgive. I'm gonna need to pre-forgive. You know, that kind of thing. Look, we're gonna talk more in the series, but I... I think we're going to be shocked to realize how we treat people actually can affect our prayer life. Come back next week. Jesus goes on to say, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. This is when we take our stand against the enemy. Look, real simply, I want you to know this is not a good English translation because the Bible promises that God would never lead us into temptation anyway. It's not his nature. He can't do that. What the Greek actually reads the best way is do not allow us to be led into temptation. And that's a really important prayer for us to realize every day we are going to encounter spiritual warfare. We have an enemy. Matter of fact, two verses real quick says, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. And your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. This is about spiritual warfare because he wakes up every day. He doesn't actually wake up, but you get the point. With you as a target. Temptation is on the agenda for your life every single day. And some of you say, well, I'm I'm not really struggling with lust. We actually only think temptation goes with lust. No, temptation goes with hatred, with bitterness, stealing, lying, ungodliness. I mean, it's just all forms. There's there's a, a temptation for any one of us at any moment to do something that does not honor God. And so what Jesus is saying is like, look, before you move, take your stand against the enemy. Before you walk out the door, go, God, it's about to get tough. It, it might be before everybody else in your house wakes up. God, help me. Because the devil does have an agenda for you every single day. Are you going to get in front of his agenda? Or are you going to wait until after he comes after you and you find yourself on the side of the road at five o'clock in the afternoon? God, help me. No, no, no. Let's, God, the devil's going to be there today. Don't let me be led. When a temptation comes to get angry, at, help me not to. I'll move on. And then last he says, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Simply means declare he's, he's able. Declare God is able. One of my favorite worship songs, I'm old enough to remember a, a really cool worship song from back in the 90s by Ron Canoli called God is Able. It had everybody dancing. It had a really cool beat to it. It was awesome. But God is able. Do y'all believe that? And as you pray all these things and you talk to God about this, I think it's really important that we just stop and say, God, I've given you all of this today because I know you can do it. God, you are the one that can keep me out of temptation. God, you are the one that will take care of my... Everything that we've been praying that Jesus taught us to pray, we end by saying, God, you will do it. You have the power to do it. You have the ability to do it. And I have faith in you to do it. And that's why we pray first. Because prayer should be our first response, not our last resort. You guys get that one? We said that a lot around here. And we all know it. We all believe it. We would all say it. But if you're like me, you might struggle to say it's actually what your life is built upon. 
And so for the next three weeks, I'm going to share with you, hopefully mess with you the way that God has been messing with me over the last year. And then we're going to begin to pray first. We're going to build our lives around getting close to God. Prayer is not about going to a meeting and being in a room and listening to somebody on stage say, no, no, no. If nothing else, just start with that. Connect with God relationally. That's why I think God wants us to start off a prayer series this year because if we can just connect with God relationally, I think everything else will change. Your view of God will change. Your faith will change. And when your view of God and your faith towards God changes, your entire life changes. Amen? Let me pray for us. Jesus, we thank you that you gave us such a beautiful example. So simple that it can be memorized and it can be something we keep right in front of us on how to to talk to God. It's not fancy, it's not religious, it's not complicated, but it walks us through every single thing that we need in life. So God, right now we ask you to help us be people who who pray first. We, We simply do, we pray first. We go to you before we do anything else. We say, God, you you are our father. You're the only one that we can turn to. Will you meet us? Thank you. If you're just in a place of prayer, I want to speak to those of you that uh, have yet to make Jesus your king. As we were talking a moment ago about being citizens of his kingdom, again, this is a promise for those who have said, Jesus, thank you that you died for me. Now I want to live for you. If you've never made that exchange of recognizing that Jesus came, he lived a perfect life. He died on the cross so that you could be forgiven. He was raised from the dead so that you too can have eternal life. If you've never made that exchange, I want to help you do that right now, wherever you are. Simply say something like this to yourself and to God. Lord Jesus, I do thank you that you died for me. And so today, I choose to live for you. I thank you that you love me. I thank you that I'm forgiven. In my simple prayer, would you fill me with your spirit and give me a life of great meaning in your kingdom? Amen. Everybody help me celebrate with those people. Amen.